Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. This episode 210 is my conversation with Jordan Luck. I've been looking forward to getting Jordan on the podcast. Uh, it's not the first time I've met him or talked to him. We've we've chatted a few times over the years, um, formally and informally. I went and spent a good portion of a day with him back nearly 10 years ago when I was writing my book on song. And uh, I had also, oh, a few years before that, I had a big chat to Jordan on the phone. I was paid to write a, uh, a bio for, of the exponents for some compilation that one of the record companies was putting out. And so I had a big chat to him then. And we've, yeah, we've exchanged some messages over the years and, and been in touch. And I've always been a huge fan, of course. I mean, he's written some of the most uh, fantastic songs that have come out of this country. Absolute Anthem's a, a great pop songwriter. And one of the things I've always loved about Jordan as a songwriter is, is how respected he is. Talk to anyone from that era, uh, you know, the Flying Nun sound that was very arguably removed from what the dance exponents went on to do they were all big fans of Jordan as a songwriter and it's hard not to be when you when you think back to Prayers Be Answered that first album and really everything that that came since uh, amazing talent that seemed to arrive fully formed um so uh, yeah always wanted to talk to Jordan for the podcast didn't really see a way to line it up until just recently and um Went out and met him when the Jordan Luck Band was doing um, a, a one-off gig out in Paraparam a few weeks ago. I went out and hung out in the in the green room and had a chat to him, recorded this conversation. You will hear seagulls on the roof. You will hear in the background some of the band having their backstage chat and drink before they go on. Um, but you will hear me and Jordan up close to the mics having a chat. And uh, I love this conversation. It's not at all a formal interview, but it does, I think capture the the spirit of the man and um, we talk through some of those strengths and triumphs of the exponents and onto his relentless touring now leading the Jordan Luck band. He also gets pretty uh, candid and deep about uh, finding sobriety and uh, the intervention that um, that took him to that place and uh, I was grateful that he had that conversation. I mean, I know he's been very open about that. There's no exclusive here or anything like that, but it was just a nice segment of the conversation to be involved in. And um, yeah, I'm a, a big fan of, of of Jordan and his life's work and the Jordan Luck Band. I'll have a note, uh, a link in the notes, but the Jordan Luck Band is doing a big winter tour of New Zealand, playing a lot of places that they haven't played for a little while, including Wellington City, um, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, I hope you're looking forward to hearing this conversation. My thanks, as always, to Tea Leaf Tea and Yeastie Boys. This is me talking with Jordan Luck. It was uh, 2017, and I went away for the first time ever where uh, a break mm. or a holiday, touring overseas, but without mm. playing, singing at the end of the night. Mm. I went to Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay for about five weeks. And so I've been doing that every year since went Mexico in 2018 and in, we're just back from India but that one ended up being India and London and Dubai playing mm. and but it was uh, yeah 2017 the guys had gone um, Echo Park had gone to Italy and we started thinking Flam, if we just because after that album came out it's been pretty consistent shows and we just kind of okay what we'll do is we'll take off two months you guys wherever you're going to be or where and then wherever i'm going to be so mm. Mm. basically this although we've only got the one month off at the minute we've got july off. yeah yeah 
Yeah. Man, so... Um, well, what, it's always been swings and roundabouts. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, 2013 was the year when uh, I was getting heading towards November and I said, Flap, let's just book um, New Year's Eve in Christchurch because mm. uh, I haven't played the South Island. Mm. And we'd only... In 2013, I think we'd clocked up about maybe 30 or 40 shows, which was less than my school band did mm. when I first started in mm. 1976. Well, with band started in 75, but by the time we started going, mm. you know, we get up to about 50 gigs a year. And I'm going, flip, I haven't even played the South Island. And every year I've been here, mm. or at least resident, I've done a North South Island gig. And it, it turned out that, yeah, we did that, and then all these, sudden these extra shows turned up in the South Island. But either way, is that, that was just, uh, it's pretty much a low ebb uh, touring wise. Mm. But so, yeah, 2016 onwards, pretty nonstop. Mm, mm. Well, let's let's go back and move our way back towards this this iteration of your touring and working life. Let's go back to you to where it all starts for you. Like, I mean, I've, I've we've talked before, and so we will have covered some of this before. But but um, well, my touring what? days began. I was born in Canada, mm. and then my parents um, migrated out to New Zealand. But on the way, we went through Europe and Australia, and they were pretty. I recall Europe was about six weeks, and then we came over in a boat to Western Australia, mm. and then Western Australia we were touring quite a lot um, across the Nullarbor, a lot of Western Australia up to Mekathera, Geraldton, and then in New Zealand the touring continued with um, appearance showed my mum especially showed Lasser Apsos and so I was doing dog shows until I was 13 so that was uh, yeah about 9 10, 11, 12 13. so what, what you're saying is it's toured uh, from <laughs> uh, Lake Waitaki as far north as Blenheim mm. and as far south as Kotangara yeah so what you're saying is it's in the blood you've yeah, brought up to, to travel and ongoing and, and do shows of a kind and have just bought a, well three years ago bought an Isuzu Journey Mm. And it's been on the road and uh, finally went down to Milford Fjord. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be Milford Fjord, apparently. Mm. I'll just uh, mm. uh, fascinate your listeners because <laughs> a fjord is from the gla- is made by a glacial movement and a sound is made by a river. So Milford Sound should really, as I'm told, uh, be uh, Milford Fjord. Uh, and it's one of 14, so it would be the 15th. I think that's correct. Mm. So where does where does music come from for you? When does it enter your life? When do you when's your first you know have you got a memory of going man this is something this means something yeah, to me? Yeah, uh, probably about three or four. I'm not sure. Uh, singing songs and um, being fascinated by music. Uh, an early memory. Oh, it's all, all my parents' music that they play on at home records and things mm. but uh, I do recall this is on a train from Vancouver to Montreal and I think I'm seven and a lady plays me she's got a little portable 45 player in the, her carriage uh, she's a black lady from Trinidad and Tobago and she was going to be a nurse or she already was a nurse but doing further studies in London and um, she played me the turtles and I remember the turtles uh, and it was either Eleanor or mm. Happy Together. Mm. Uh, Both fantastic. 
Aye. And I, I recall early, yeah, then pretty much radio on and off from from there. Uh, but mm. musically playing, that's yeah. uh, that's uh, really about uh, travelling in one night from Geraldine. We're f- all 15, got our licences, and we're going to Timaru. The Big Smoke. Uh, yeah, The Big Smoke. <laughs> and we see this um, band, they were called Richard Richard Omen at the time. And I'm going, wow, this is amazing. And it was pretty much what they learnt punky. They did New Rose by the Damned. Mm. And they'd learnt that by recording it uh, from Radio with Pictures and come back and learned it. And they kind of had a rough idea of what Anarchy in the UK was like. And they had some Ramones. Uh, and it, so in amongst it was this uh, punk stuff. And then as, it, as I found out, uh, what had inspired them, or got them going, was a couple of them had gone down to Dunedin and they'd seen the Chris. Chris Knox's band, The Enemy at the time, who became Till We Love, basically. And they'd come back to Timaru, so it was just a spreading thing. Mm. Uh, from Timaru, it went to Geraldine. Mm. Mm. So when do you get the, you know, one of the things I've always been fascinated about with you is you seem to hit the ground running as a writer at an early age. You, you know, as a songwriter. Yeah. When do you, you know, when do you think... Well, you had some, much. you know, when did, when, and what gave you the license to do it? Pretty much, I think, as soon as I picked up the guitar, uh, the things had been in my head, they would translate to the chords I was learning. And also, I was super lazy in the fact that uh, people were teaching me, or you could read, learn songs from a chord book. But I was going, and in and, and the, and the school band basement, hmm. uh, We'd be learning uh, Tush, ZZ Toll, mm. uh, Jethro Toll, uh, songs we would get ourselves, Boomtown Rats, sort of things. But I'm going, oh yeah, th- this is kind of fun learning other people's thing songs. But oh, what if I, I do this? Mm. And uh, so it just crept up that way. And because nobody knew, we'd play new wave punk stuff and. Nobody knew those songs anyway, and uh, if we put one of our originals in, people would come up at the end and go, oh, that's a really good song, and we'd go, I'd go anyway, like, wow, oh, they think that's maybe <laughs> a Strangler song or a Devo mm. song or a whoever, mm, a Buscock mm. song. And, yeah, it got encouraged that way. But, yeah, I just, don't know, uh, just lucky, I guess, that I still, lyrics are hard, but melodies, they, they can come all the time like mm. attention records it's on his head <laughs> attention records oh no he's gonna be dead not soon not late yeah yeah read read, read a telephone book and a melodies kind of come <laughs> and but you know i go back to the, the the very first record that comes out presby answered and it's it's well victoria it, first yeah 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 but presby answered it it's a it's a fully formed record by a fully formed band. It's, it, it feels like a record from a band that's been doing it for 10 or 12 years. In retrospect, the fact is that we had been together... Or a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The group had only been together maybe six months, but yeah. I'd been playing five years yeah, yeah. in a school band, and 
uh, Dave, Gent and Harry had as well. Yeah, yeah. But but if, as I say, it feels even longer than that and it feels like a sort of second, third, fourth record by a, a semi-established group, you know. Yeah. I think... Uh, but I can only hear it with, you know, and view it with the ears and eyes that I have. I mean, you go back, you're talking about when you started playing music, that's around about when I was born. So, like, you know, I I hear Victoria as a, whatever, an eight or a nine-year-old for the first time. So I can only sort of understand it like that, but it, certainly that record feels better than a debut band, but you know, a debut record by a band that had only been together for a while. Uh, did you? Did you? Well, I guess what I'm getting at the, is the industry had certainly changed from mm. 1955 to say 75. Mm. And the fact is that uh, artists, people, record companies would sign a band or an artist, and they let them develop uh, so they'd be quite young. And their first albums were they'd be they, they were able to create as they grew. Whereas by the time the early 80s came along. That record companies would be signing up, they'd only really be signing up a group or an artist who they could see, oh, we can do an album with them. Mm. They've got the X amount of songs. Dude, they might not be able to follow it up, but mm. in fact, we don't care if they don't follow it up. Yeah, yeah. Whereas <laughs> back in the day, your manager, well, especially the 60s and 70s, they were allowed to. Uh, do a second album and a third album and, and a lot of them got, you know, f- seven albums, ten albums under their belt without actually being successful. Mm, mm. Which makes for really interesting listening. You know. mm. But you, you mentioned Victoria and it's like, I'm thinking you can probably count on one hand the number of times you haven't played that at a gig ever since. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is extraordinary because not many people go on to A, have a career of that longevity, but, but B, have something from that early in the career that, that is a, you know, yeah. a defining and signature hit. Or, yeah. Always a crowd favourite. People be disappointed if you didn't play it. Exactly. Um, no, very fortuitous in that respect. Uh, Did you ever get well, sick of it? Well, it was, we'd been going about 10 years, expo- dance exponents have been, mm. been around, but when we came back from London... 91 and we started playing New Zealand initially we called ourselves Amplifier we wanted to get away from dance exponents although in England we played we used the name exponents mm. but we started up and do to do and we're touring around and the audience all of a sudden was 18 19 again I'm going and we're playing Victoria and I'm going oh flip the song's 10 years old and that's about the time when I started realizing flip. Anything I'm writing now, I better be prepared mm. to sing it in another 10, let alone another 30, <laughs> as it's turned out. Because, I mean, things like Why Does Love and Who Loves Who are now, mm. they're close to 30, 30 years, years old, old yeah. and Victoria's close to 40. Yeah. But then again, I shouldn't be that surprised because, I mean, down the track, uh, we do, um, I hope you're staying tonight, mm. or this afternoon, um, we do, um, well, when I look back on it, when basement, the school band started, we were doing songs that were 10 or 15 year old, years old, like Stones mm. or Queen's Clear Water Revival. Um, but now we play, say, Blue Lady, which is already over 40. April Sun in Cuba, mm. which would be over 40. Uh, yeah, no, if you've got, I don't know, it's like the dudes touring at the minute, a mm. band that only mm. really lasted 18 yeah. months. Yeah, less than a couple of years, yeah. 
and but they've, they've got a catalogue of songs that people are all familiar with. Yeah. Um, Blam 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 heard a successful tour last year. Oh, they sounded amazing. I yeah. went to the show. Yeah. Well, a lot of people said, man, they're even better than they were yeah. in uh, 81, 82. And you go, there's a uh, group that has a great catalogue of songs. And yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of artists just, I just think we're blessed, uh, very, you know, humbled, but flipping, uh, okay. But the fact is, there was a stage where I realised that. I, I'm going, yeah, mm. conscious mm. of the fact whatever I write and if something becomes popular generally if I've sung it for myself I've sung it written it maybe for a band or but I've written it for myself it's the truth and I sing with I sing it with my soul so if it's honest and truthful then it, it's really easy to be well you realize why it might click mm. with other people but have you ever got sick of these big songs well no playing yeah playing them you you know they work and you know people want them so that's keeping you doing it if we did we'd drop it uh, on and off I think uh, there's about three or four songs that may drop out of a set list for about five six months but they'll come Mm. back in Mm -hmm. or out again but Victoria yeah probably always play that that's staying why does love who yeah there's about 10 that are pretty much consistent that are the backbone of any set yeah if you cut it down you could even cut it down to 3 maybe 4 and that, but that, I'll again, say goodbye yeah I was gonna, again go back to that debut record and it's like there are there's, there's several things on that that could form, form a, a great set for anyone <laughs> you know, they really could I wish they were grand if some people recovered some I was just reading a yeah. Robert Forster uh, uh, interview for about go-between stuff and he said I did it but there's a sneak he said what about a favourite song uh, a writer had written in asking his question mm. in, in, in uncut yeah I think it was and he wrote back a, I can't was it called Morning it's from a recent solo record but either way yes it'd be good if Adele did it <laughs> you, know, you know I could see that I yeah. think he's deadly serious yeah. but you could see that yeah yeah very useful and not a lot of people have I mean you know have officially formally covered a lot of your songs they, they feel like they're your songs there's not a lot of New Zealand songs that no. have yeah not overseas or locally yeah or there's the odd you know there's the odd Chris Knox song that pops up people have tackled but again you know oh yeah from there yeah for the Stroke album it was quite yeah yeah. well you did one of the great versions on that Uh, actually um, Death and the Maiden has been done by quite a few bands and so um, Pink Frost as well yeah 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 so I feel like someone should have really tackled Know Your Own Heart or something like that that could have been a a great song for for anyone else as well well. they're out there listeners But, but the, and, they're, and they're out there, those songs pop up in movies and, and TV shows and TV ads. And then you found yourself recently um, portrayed in a movie, that, and, and not just you, the band. Yeah, good What did you think? I enjoyed it. And yeah. it was, uh, all the stories are true. It was very honest. Um, apart from there were a couple of things that I thought were odd, and they were the scenes with the food. Mm-hmm. Because we honestly had, there would be food, scenes with bread rolls and pies and fish and chips and 
variety of this is because of the band obviously <laughs> and of course the, all the film producers have uh, film productions have great catering yeah but uh yeah we never ate and especially the period it's um conveying is yeah. the 80, early 80s yeah and no absolutely no food but uh casting really good yeah they pulled it off um i'm often weary of I don't know why flipping filmmakers have done so many different projects, but it seems like the players don't know how to play. Which, if you're a musician, that that'll put you off straight away. That the drummer's not playing the drum in time with the beat of what they're doing. But these guys all ended up actually, apart from the Jordan Mooney who portrayed me, were musicians. So it was flipping, boom. And the way they got the cast together was exactly the same way that the band met mm. it was really like three of us sort of knew each other played with each other the other two did, we didn't know and this is what the cast was like some of them would work together yeah right but, uh. and then they all come together and then okay guess what we're going to be we're going to be musicians oh right and so you can feel that come, their, mm, their nice, learning curve a nice synergy there yeah 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 well what was it like you know I mean can you Go back to what those early days of touring were like. How different are they, considering you've you've kind of continued doing it? Like, um, Chunny had a great wee phrase that he said uh, early on. I think it might be in a book, or I'm not certain, but essentially it was that we picked up what we were doing at the Hillsborough Tavern and took it on the road with the Screaming Mimi's, mm. and didn't matter if it was a big gig, a small gig. <laughs> like a seagulls gig and uh, it just went we just it was just like bam yeah and it's pretty much what the luck band do now I mean we from one location to another different side feeling you yeah mean, some massive ones some tiny ones do to do new places old places and boom bam and it's just Got generally it. on fire is there anywhere you haven't played in New Zealand oh yeah yeah we're still looking for those but Oddly, what keeps coming up, and this has been in discussion quite a lot, is places you'd never think of playing. You'd blink it, lug it, but the spill from Wanaka now is an Odomatata, mm. uh, Tai Tapu, which is the spill from Krosic. <laughs> Isn't so much a rebuild as a re-spreading, mm. where the suburbs of the Halls Hall, Wollaston, Lincoln, uh, and Tai Tapu. Uh, yeah, it's just like... Um, and recently Tiamuta was another weirdly I would have thought we would have done that but that was new on the block mm, mm. so you play you take this the show on the road in the 80s you put out a couple of great records straight away particularly that first one and you just tour and play shows and that's in a time when there were quite big long tours there were the, the breweries were behind tours you'd have package bills with you know three pretty established bands playing this is your life for a long time and then you guys decide to go over to England is that right yep and how oddly we the as just prior to 1987 mm. uh, New Zealand had just won the World Cup and we left about a month after that and the audience had been diminishing, uh, not the amount of shows, but 
the audience size. It was, we'd, mm. we'd been getting 500 all of a sudden, we were 200 sort of thing. Anyway, we'd disappear and then, bam, we were not doing many shows, but when we do them, all of a sudden, oh, is this where the one's gone? It's like, <laughs> what about Al? You know, I mean, uh, an average one would be 700, 800, mm. uh, and the big ones were like two, 1800, 2000 at uh, Hammersmith Odeon, Leicester Empire. Yeah, they weren't every, you know, maybe we were only playing like once every two months and we only played London mm. and only maybe about five or six venues, mm. uh, but yeah. What was the what was the ambition of going over there? Like what was the, you know, obviously to try and... Get a contract. Yeah, 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 get, get, a, get a bigger deal and a bigger slice of the pie and a bigger audience and, yeah. and, 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 and that was the plan and how... We failed. Failed on uh, getting an, a, a con- an overseas contract, mm. but in retrospect, kind of succeeded in the sense that we're still writing and recording. And uh, Adam Holt got to hear one of the songs, which was "White as Love," and Dave and I flew back. Brian had, was actually over; had come mm. back. Mm. Brian Jones and. Uh, we had return tickets and bam, all of a sudden we're <laughs> the exponents are another decade mm. right up to the you know, 2000 basically, <laughs> yeah 2000 mm, mm. that record was called something beginning with C because you were spelling out peace, Yeah, right you had prayers be answered and expectations amplifier and something beginning with C was, was there ever a C word that was going to be <laughs> Polite or, or impolite that was going to be used? Oddly, we'd gone way off the track. I recall that eggplant was popular and aubergine. <laughs> Someone had crossed out eggplant and put aubergine, but uh, no, then there was a cucumber, but no, it, it was so long in the process of what, something beginning with C that the producer thought it was. What's the album going to be called? Well, apparently they're talking about something beginning with C. And <laughs> that, we went, oh, hang on. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> so we spelt peas. Yeah. Then I started thinking, what, peas and what? Peas and chips? Peas, if we did another eight, nine albums? Peas yeah. and... <laughs> but you did do a couple of albums after that, before, the, before calling it a day. There was... was it t- there was Grassy Knoll. Yeah, with... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did that little finger. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. With um, Mr. Dave Dobbin playing in the band yeah, and, uh, for some time. Brett Williams. Yeah. And then there was another one after that, um, which was... But Never Late. Yep. Uh, and then... And oh, then, Hello, Love You, Goodbye. Yes, yes. And so then, then we get into the sort of um, farewell tours and um, finale, wrapping up the yeah. exponents. Why, why did... Why did the band call time on well, itself? What happened? Dave Gent had left, and he was the heart and soul of the experience. And don't know. I, I felt, Why did he leave? Oh, just we were arguing and do do do. And I think he, well, he'd had a he'd had his fill yeah. of um, touring because it was probably only which is typical. Uh, Probably only about two months later, he was going, oh, he joined the luck band. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, you'd really have to ask him, but it's pretty much tired of the touring yeah, yeah, yeah. bit. Uh, well, it's coming up to 20 years, really, involved in mm. the same project, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah. Like, that's a long time. Yeah. It's and long, for me, than many people make it. For me, it was... Uh, I, initially, the Slack Band, we started off, and it was all covers. We were doing villains, right. bats, and do-do-do, and... There's a handful that we still... Oh, we can pull them out of the bag, though, actually. That's quite, an, an, quite a little knack. I remember seeing the Jordan Luck Band at Victoria University, probably 2001, 2000, right, you know, just after the Exponents Farewell, really. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, a, yeah, basically a full covers set with only a handful of Exponents songs. I don't think we were doing Victoria, really. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe White as Lava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was certainly a couple, a couple of the big, you know, a couple of the big anthems, but lots of '60s and early '70s songs. Yeah. No, and that was me wanting to be, well, learn other people's songs, mm. and also singing from a different perspective, get into the mind or head of other people's lyrics, uh, and that lasted. I kind of worked my way through that about six months, probably. And then, you know, you're still writing and then do-do-do and flat. A lot of songs went by the wayside during that period, really. Because it was only 2016 that we finally, finally actually did an album. Finally put out an album of, of original songs, yeah. Yeah, what, why did that take so long? <laughs> um, a changing industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think if someone had been chasing me yes, up... Yes, because that's what you're used to. Like, that's, yeah. what, that's what you... Oh, conditioned by. And also, I like the, the, that sort of uh, deadline mm. kind of um, yes, aspect you're a, to your work. You're a, if you're someone a, puts, oh, you've got to do this in 24 hours, bam. I'll get it done. Yeah. Yeah, you're a, you're a writer in that sense. Like, it, that, that's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, Where songwriting is just like, I don't know, drinking water basically now. And it's a wee bit too easy. Uh, but, yeah, that, oh, gosh. You could put a lot of it down to the fact that downloading was taking over. The CDs were still a strong market, but it was, you could see it was changing really quick. And uh, record companies in New Zealand were uh, downsizing and staff were going. And yeah, don't know why they didn't see that coming. Mm. But I mean, there was the bigger ones. They could. It was. It's really. It's about making money, and you could see that. Well. We're interested in music if it's going to be in a film, this kind of thing, but uh, yeah, it's a scary time really when you think about it because it's a complete circle. We're in Pikokariki today and there's a fest, um, vinyl festival mm. and flipping egg, we'll go there, walk down the street. This is, oh. See, like, children my age, as, as my son's 27, but that gener- the 20, 20, 30, they kind of skip vinyl. It depends on whether you're a yeah, quick yeah. reader or not, but pe- people be either going up to their granddad or grandmum or their dad going, uh, what's this final stuff? Do-do-do. And this generation coming through now, I mean, I had a Prayers Be Answered being s- assigned at a show recently, and probably 14 or 15. But, you know, they're buying and Next Door Neighbours, the kids buy Who, The Doors. They buy, I mean, you can buy everything. Mm-mm. But why not buy it on vinyl? Oh, it's good fun, this, isn't it? It's all, it's all there. Well, something beginning with C came out on 
final the other year? Yeah, limited. Limited run. thing? Yeah, no, that didn't really count. But there's a good indication that uh, the figures I heard was that 2019 was the first year that finally topped the 1989 sales. Mm, mm, mm. So that's actually like, is that 30 years? Mm. Yeah. Mm. 30 years turning around. Oh, and there's another weird one where the specials were the first album in England or Britain to go number one where the sales were larger than the vinyl sales were the were the largest format. Do you still have records like in your collection? Because when I came and visited you in nearly ten years ago, in 2011, you had a massive amount of CDs. Yeah, and I've got ten up. But, yeah, but it's not, do it's you not have happening. records as well? Oh, or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and you've still got them, like yeah, from um, way back. Yeah, and uh, Alice Harding, uh, a lot of New Zealand stuff. Um, actually, who started me off really was um, Tammy Nielsen and Marlon Williams. Williams. Yeah. Oh, so you're actually getting new new stuff on on vinyl too? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I bought, have I bought, no, I bought some old ones, but they're in presents for the lads. Um, yeah, some Pink Floyd uh, Stooges. Uh, yeah, what they call I suppose a classic album to do, but uh, some Stones. You had. Um, yeah, you had a massive music collection, as I remember. It was. My parents had a great. Uh, there was a lot of Ella Fitzgerald, and I was really eclectic when I think about it. Like myself, music, musical taste, a lot of classical, uh, and um, whew, Carousel, Oklahoma um, stage uh, musicals. Yeah, yeah, Rogers and Hammerstein, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still clean? Yeah, kind of. Like I've, I've, I've purchased got, that way. I do. I buy records. I mostly, I tra- I mostly now trade in old records for new records. So I keep, I keep replenishing. I would. I don't know how many records I've got, but I would have over a thousand. Might have a couple of thousand. So it's not, a, you know, it's not a tiny collection by, but I wouldn't call myself the collector that I once was. I'm not really trying to. I tell you, he's got a massive collection. A mess. Was, have you met Marty Duda? Yeah, he's got yeah. a huge collection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a library. And, yeah. yeah, it'd be... He's it's, it's got a warehouse above um, Simon Street. Mm. And probably that, that high. And I mean, it's on too good we did an interview with him. And uh, it was like, from here to that wall, across that wall, and yeah. it was Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he posts those um, performance clips. People go up and play there as well as being interviewed there. And so you see the... Sh- it's it's li- a, a, a proper catalogued library of and vinyl. His, his daughter was getting into... Uh, orig- you know the Discogs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you put down the catalogue number. Yes, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So it's like an education, informative thing. Yeah. That, and they go, oh, you got that one because... Yeah, people message you from all around the world yeah. if you've got a, a particularly, you know, New Zealand pressings of certain yeah. things are, are worth more than other, they're just, just because of scarcity. So yeah. there are some pretty, uh, you know... The material uh, they're made of, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And the pressing, because it was done, they yeah. know it's done at this plant. Yeah, and there are things like, uh, you know, there are a couple of different versions of um, something like Mental Notes. There's like a couple of different versions of it. So there's one that's way more expensive than the other. I don't know, I think it's the White Cloud one or whatever it is. 
way more expensive because it's harder to come by. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's fascinating all that. So you're still, you're still finding new music to, to that you want to have. Well, good friend Robert Taylor, um, sorry, not Robert, Taylor, Robert Scott. Mm. Um, I think he saw the breeze. But yeah, funny you should mention the White Cloud because mm. he found that for me in Sydney. Oh right, yeah. So, Sit when we photograph again. I think you might want this one, Jordan. Okay. Of yes. the mental notes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. Yes. What's left for you to do that you haven't done? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to? Oh, we're working put on something. Someone's together? working on a book. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah. It's not about exponents or. Yeah. It's me. It's more like if you picked it up, then you might get some fascinating or unfascinating trivia kind of thing. <laughs> like just a little book where yeah. maybe someone will learn something like, oh, that's quite interesting. Or do, do. But you're not driving, you're not writing that, someone's... I'm talking. You're so, talking, yeah. someone's putting that down. Yeah, we're just sort of working, see how well we're working. Yeah, because kind of yeah. it strikes me that, you know, you've been portrayed in a movie, you've, you know, the story's been, a version of the story's been told that way. You've... There's more than one Exponents Greatest Hits album out there. Um, you're still doing the songs, um, and albeit in a slightly, very slightly different fashion, but faithful, but with obviously with a different lineup. You're still putting new songs into the world. Um, yeah, a little I, bit, or I, you, you know, you did with that gonna... record. Is there going to be another? Oh yeah, yeah. Record. Yeah. Yeah. Of um, originally, especially actually before we start the next record, we'll definitely going to do a vinyl release of not only but also so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah this band hasn't released a live recording uh, there's some lot of there's, there's footage around but an official and some TV radio broadcasts yeah quite a few of those but um, that's it's kind of the way things have changed is so whereas there used to be absolutely zip of say film of New Zealand are terrible archivists. Yes. And, and there's groups. And the tapes would get filled and they just throw them away too. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know? Yeah. It's Australians are really good. And, yeah. Oh, and the Germans and Dutch and do do and French, they're brilliant. They, I mean, they've got things where uh, there's a who and it's their first show kind of thing. You're going, mm. how the flip? What? Someone actually had a camera and they're going, yeah, because it's a young man, da 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 da. They just had, I don't know. But also they saved them. Whereas in New Zealand they kind of, I mean, I was listening to a, a chapter song the other day and I'm going, I've never heard this. And there's a bunch of shows that they did. Mm. That whole Link and uh, Link and Chapter. And they kind of cross, Luther, Luther I think mm. And there's a bit of... Well, there is, there is some amazing stuff, like um, you go into YouTube and there's a lot of incredible split-ends performance, like from overseas, because there's, you know, there's all these lunatics in America that love split-ends and they've... Well, there put, you have it. Yeah, so overseas split-ends stuff. Yeah, that is there. Like, there's some amazing footage of bands like but that. But I understand that their uh, new faces, it might have been, that yeah. they were on, and that's gone. And but that's uh, on YouTube. Oh, yeah, but yeah. it's a video of... Yes, uh, it is. It's a video of... Yeah, it's not... in a video machine. Yeah, so it's got the wonky lines yeah. and the, you know, deteriorated, you know... Whereas a great copy would have been... Oh, pristine, sure, of course, sure. they kept it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's, so you're potentially working on a book and, uh, and, and more music and more touring. Yeah. And that's life. Yep. I'd love to do some more overseas shows, so... 
we only got back to London the first time in 10 years. Mm. Uh, back in October. And so we'll be going back there again. Just love touring. So it's almost back to the beginning of the mm. conversation, what kicked mm. that bug. And yeah, it all goes back to how you grow up and, yeah. and, and how you first made your steps in the world via I mean, the family. If I yelled out through there and went, <laughs> do you love touring? <laughs> they do. And, uh, and how fluid is this lineup? These guys have been together years for a long time, eh? Yeah. Not, not and, really. And me and Brian, we've yes. passed the experience. Yeah. Uh, 20 years. Amazing. So you can't be um, too bad to work for. It's more work with. For work with, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hang on. <laughs> it's called the Jordan Luck Band. It's 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 work for. In name only. Jack Walsh does all the uh, <laughs> tour and uh, entrepreneurial organisation. The yeah. band, you know, yeah. you're pretty useless without the sure those players. But if it was work with, the band would be called Amplifier or Cucumber or what Cucumber. There's a good you know. name. <laughs> or something beginning with C. <laughs> The thing is that it just keeps everything just keeps changing. I shouldn't get surprised, but I do. Mm. Uh, that people still don't necessarily connect me with the ex- well now mm. twenty years mm. down the track don't necessarily connect me with exponents. Uh, is that, that the good? Songs, is that kind of liberating? From, yeah. Yeah. And the exponents aren't or uh, well, the songs aren't even necessarily connected to the exponents. Yeah, yeah. So that's all kind of. Um, mixed up, mumbled up, shook up world kind of thing, and it's really good. I mean, what, what's another 10 years going to be bringing it on? I just can't wait. And, and people saying, oh, God, you look so good. I've always liked a bit of flattery. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, we didn't mention this bef- um, uh, before, I was, you know, the tape recorder was off when we were talking about this, but you're, what, pretty much 10, 12 years not drinking slash hardly drinking. Yeah, is that, is that right? Uh, you, have so the, eight, you, you have the odd pint, but you're basically not a drinker. Exactly. Uh, yeah, eight years. Eight years. Um, my line on that one is that I drank so much, I've pickled myself, and then I've stayed preserved since then. <laughs> so, well, why did you? What What was the pressure or reason to stop? Just for health, like for lifestyle, to. Uh, was there a was I there had, a wake up call? Was had, there a reason? Well, I had five. They're called petite male. So if I stopped drinking, all of a sudden, uh, seven, up to seven hours later, um, I didn't get the shakes or anything. I'd, it'd be these diamonds would appear in my eye, and I'd just collapse. And I'd be out. Apparently, I was out between a minute or under a minute, or up to two or three minutes. And they're mm. just saying that uh, that kind of withdrawal one day you don't actually wake up or two your brain is is decimated um, and you're decimating your brain well damaging your brain every time the petit mal happens mm. and it's, well I didn't go it was Rita my wife and she organised it. it's called intervention mm. and I walked into a room and I thought this is on a Sunday afternoon I thought this looks like the biggest surprise party I've ever been to. There are people <laughs> from everywhere. And uh, they just basically said, Jordan, we're worried about your drinking. Uh, and we booked you into a, a rehabilitation in Oakuni. And I went, oh, 
there's two ways out of this in my head. I'm going, mm. I go no, or I go yes, and I went, uh, okay, yeah. And then I think the next one line was, when do I go? Because <laughs> I was working on some other projects. Yeah. Tomorrow morning. I went, oh, in my head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I guess I better get it, get on mm. with it. Mm. And get on with it, I did. And yeah. And it's worked. It's been okay. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoyed a variety. If you want to get into this. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed a variety of drinks. Oh, that was. Um, I was going to ask you. What was your What was your poison in particular? It was uh, initially. It was a lot of things I hadn't had before. Like the beer fizzy passion fruit. Don't really recall what that mm. one was called. But uh, Dr Pepper. Mm. I never. And I. Drink, knocking back the Dr. Peppers, um, but also I'm borderline diabetic, and so I was worried so Dr. about Dr. Pepper's not great for that. Yeah. Wouldn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of drinks I hadn't really. Oh, coconut water, and so in 2012, for, I know it's coming up to 10 years, but within three or four years, there were two brands basically you could buy in a supermarket. Uh, in 2012, and now I'd say there's about at least 12. Mm. Very, I, I didn't popularise it, but for some reason, reason, yeah. So I love coconut water. But then uh, the Kiwi Blue were doing a lime. They still do uh, sparkling lime, and I really love the taste of that. And it was great uh, singing with it as well. Yeah, for your th- throat. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Love that, and so yeah, sparkling water's been my your new tipple. your new thing. Mm. And what was it? What what? I mean, it's obvious what got you, what kept you drinking. Uh, it's a it's a lifestyle crutch. It's a passage of time. It's a you're in the industry where it's a thing to do. But outside of that, what you know? Did you did you notice at various points in your life that drinking was creeping up? And what were you? I mean, I've had a drink with you. When I met you, we had some beers. Like, um, was it mostly beer that you drank, or was it everything? Yeah, no, just beer. But 24 hours a day, beer. Yeah. Wake up, have a beer. Um, if, but when did that start? Like, when did waking oh. up and having a beer start? Is that, like, what I'm getting at, was that a symptom of, of being on the road, or was that before you even started playing? You weren't a teenage get up and drink a beer person. No, it, 90, a 90s, late 90s yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be drinking, well, yeah, I just always have beer and a fruit. Uh, probably finances as well. Mid 90s, we're doing okay. And it, it, as you say, it's an industry. Yeah. I'm not blaming no, no, nothing but here. But the fact is, yeah, it's I It's not a could. day job and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, even when... This would surprise me. Um, Sunday liquor didn't even happen. Yeah. Uh, you could get it at a restaurant kind of thing, but not till 99 or 98 or even 2000. Either ways, Sunday was... That, that, that meant nothing to me because there were all these places you get buy beer, but I was always stocked up anyway. Mm. I think, so finances was certainly a big factor. You'd, yeah. I'd have a fridge full kind of thing, so. Yeah, yeah, so it was a... And then you're touring, and I'd say everything's shut, but you're walking out of the establishment where you could mm. have a... 
grab a case, yeah, whatever, get, mm. you know, be gifted. I call them on microphones, and uh, uh, <laughs> people would be going, uh, "So, have you got a new case? or just want microphones." There'd be a, a you know, a six pack or something. Yeah. Mm. And so, when did you notice that it was like, you know, uh, you must have? I was known. a functioning alcoholic, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd be doing an interview like now, and if you weren't smelling my breath, I don't think. You would know. Yeah. It'd be, uh, that you would have had whatever before the interview, and you yeah. you might just be sipping on one during it or whatever, well, you, but you'd have been preloaded. Really drunk. You're just always topping yourself up to yes. the level where you're functioning. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you have to. Did you feel instantly different and revitalised when it came to singing? sober or did you have to relearn some of your uh, performing too I guess or did you have to relearn some of your craft down the no nothing like that but over time I realized how much I hadn't been listening to myself Mm -hmm. uh, sing I'd just be listening to the band and sing with the band but uh, probably about three or four months down the track which didn't happen that in 92 you see I did that bit Mm. and Gosh, exponents were doing gig after gig after gig, but I don't remember concentrating on on what I was hearing, on my singing. Uh, but with the Luck Band, about three or four months into it, I was going, well, if I back off here, I can. There's more to do with my voice as well, like mm. not pushing as hard or pushing harder, depending. Yeah, it was. I was able to manoeuvre. Mm. I, I, I was quite a skillful manoeuvrer, <laughs> a manoeuvring, groovering thing, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it changed that. Mm. But as the rest of it, though, I mean, the first gig we did when I came out of rehabilitation was in Paihia. It was the Wine and Food Festival. Mm. <laughs> it's a same. <laughs> but there was no temptation. I knew what I was doing, mm. And, mm. and I was happy about what I was doing. And uh, but do you miss it? No. Firm negative on that one. Mm. Affirmatively negative on that one. <laughs> because it's given you, you don't know well, yet, but it's giving it's, you I'm extra back, time on this planet, right? Back to that flattering thing. Oh, yes, definitely, I'd say <laughs> yeah. extended. Yeah. Uh, but whether I live another two months or three months or 50, 40, whatever years, um, that flattery thing has been good, you know, people say, oh, your skin looks good, in my head, I'm telling everyone now, but, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, good deal, flattery. <laughs> well, that's lead singer sim- uh, syndrome a little bit too, isn't it? Yeah, but I had that before I was in a band. Yeah, really? <laughs> that's that's well, one of the reasons that you but took that role. How do you cope with this, this uh, you know, selfies with how do you cope with fame or, mm. or, or acknowledgement, recognition? Mm. And I, oh, yeah, I had that before I was in a band, and it's kind of, it was true. I mean, I had a super eight stuck in the face probably from about the age of four, so I was pretty used to film and cameras were everywhere. They just didn't come out very well, but they were always shooting you. Mm. <laughs> you, can, you can throw everything away now. <laughs> It's a shame there's not an editing thing that you can really quickly edit yet. Oh, yeah. Sound-wise. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to sit back and listen to... Yes. That. See, this is the other thing. Uh, 
live performance is just like boom, boom, mm. boom. Mm. Intensity, intensity. And in the studio, you only get that maybe on a, on a first couple of takes. And, mm. and uh, I've found the studio always kind of not intimidating, just like not even, not tedious, just... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I kind of like the Sonics d- doing it. That I don't do it, but watching Brian edit and listen is good fun. But you're a performer. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny though because you're a songwriter, but you're a performer. Well, yeah. I mean, I know you're not the only one, but you know, like those no. seem to be some people. Very. Can uh, only do one of those two things. Yeah. And they they do seem like opposite ends of a, a spectrum it's uh, like a Brian Wilson thing yeah or a, I was just yeah. going to say like you know he's someone who's not a performer right like yeah. he's, a, he's he's been a performer because he's had to be yeah fearful of, of live environment fearful of stage and yeah. yeah and even you go back to the very early earliest performances of the Beach Boys and he wasn't a great performer. He was a fine enough stage musician and a good live singer, but not a great performer. He was never, you know, it wasn't He's it wasn't about something cataclysmic happening and, and him not being able to. Um, intriguingly you're bringing him up because he has turned a corner where he seems really comfortable. Yeah, well he's done it a lot I suppose yeah. over the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean I went and saw that Smile yeah. tour and that was yeah, nearly 15 years ago or was 15 yeah. years ago and he'd already been, he's really been doing it for the last 20 yeah. non-stop because the, I think the pet, first Pet Sounds tour was about 2000 2001 yeah. the first time they took that on the road so I guess you get you eventually get comfortable or good at it or both don't you? If you well, I don't see Elton John finishing this tour personally because he's just that sort of fellow. Maybe as a, a big tour or a tour. Yeah. yeah. But um, he'll go back to doing a residency again somewhere, eh, or yeah, whatever. I, I think. believe he would. Yeah. Or will. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, Elton, come and do the show in New York or Peru. <laughs> he can do anything he wants, but. And I don't see him saying no. Who. Barbara Streisand's one who I had, and for great reason. She said, "I'm not singing. I can't do the singing that I'm was, that I'm hearing, or yeah. as well as I should be able to. But every now and then is out there and does a show. And yeah, because it's in, it, it must be in your blood, kind of thing. Who? I mean, I'm the dance exponent. The exponents opened for the Rolling Stones. Who um, have you seen? either up close like that as sharing the bill with or just gone along to? Who are the sort of great, great musicians that you've been pleased well, to have seen? Stone, Your heroes. Stones, especially in an um, entertainment or an entertaining way, uh, because I think I've seen them eight times now mm. and uh, the 2015 was the best. Right. I'm thinking flipping And it. you just went along as a punter? punter. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, flip, what a show! And I was informed after the event that he probably is doing four to five k when he does all up and the, down the, the catwalks and the yeah. st- side to side of the stage. Yeah. And Keith was no slouch either. And I think flipping out. Yeah. There was um, were they seventy two then? I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be right. Oh, yeah, I've seen them twice. I saw them the time you opened for them in Auckland in '95. 
and I saw them about 10 years later in Wellington, and those were amazing shows. Yeah. And yeah, I heard, that, I heard good things about that 2015 one. I'm thinking that um, it's an industry where it kills so many people, but I think if you can get through, I don't know if there's an age to it, but mm. if you enjoy performing, then really you don't stop. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Another thing I was going to ask you is, you know, how are you feeling about, um, to put it bluntly, the number of um, New Zealand musicians, friends of yours, people in your circles and related to them that, that have been dying over the last few years? I mean, when I met you, you put me on the phone to Graham Brazier at your house. He rang and I was going to meet up with him, and you said, oh, I'll just pass you on now. And of course, you know, he's no longer with us and hasn't been for a few years. Of the songs that we've been playing, and sadly, uh, every song will have a member who's not with us anymore. Mm, mm. I was thinking about this watching My Sex last night, which is, uh, you know, not obviously not really the band my sex but they sounded great but oh yeah they're yeah. just amazing at the strangler show yeah yeah that's what i went to yeah, yeah 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 and it was a great show and they were very good but it's like yeah you think about this well, is that every just what you're saying kevin you, died on a on a day something massive happened hmm. it wasn't on the it wasn't on the mosque shooting was it anyway no one seemed to even hear about it hmm. and uh and yeah. obviously Andrew Bruff just recently. But say so, like there's mockers. Uh, so these are songs we other than mm, mm. say, uh, dudes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's are a, all missing a member or more? Yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Does that give you uh, pause? Only in the sense that uh, keep working with me, you live. <laughs> well, it must, it must also, you know, it reaffirms that that intervention was a good thing, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No. Uh, Rita and my friends said, my life. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that seems a bit of a downer to end on. No, no. <laughs> she's, a, no. she's a beauty because I was going about to head to the... To the bottle shop in there and get myself a little sparkler. <laughs> this is the year uh, they make great bottles as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, preserve things inside them and uh, take the top off there, turn into a fine little storage glass. But yeah, antipodes. Yeah, that's the free plug. <laughs> they, I'll have two cases, please. Are they sponsoring the next tour? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so let's let well let's give to a <coughs> let's do a bit of a plug for that to finish because uh that's that's a bit more of an up, upbeat way to finish but you're doing <coughs> doing a big national tour in june um we're calling it a winterish tour yes basically we, we run front from autumn winter and into spring mm. uh but yeah we hardly stop working i know mm, we've got mm. july off but, but uh, we'd really big, like to big, thank Antipodes for <laughs> offering to sponsor us. But you alternate where you play a bit. Like you're playing Wellington City, for example, whereas other times you'll play Paran uh, or Porirua Hart or Porirua or, uh, or whatever. So you, you do you do choose different venues and alternate them somewhat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as well as having your yeah, tried and tested favourites. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always a tough one because you don't want to be... Uh, 
what should we do? Overplaying, not, not overplaying, but... Going to, the, going to the well once too often. Yes! That's well, <laughs> what you mean. There's one word yes. for that yeah. magical phrase. And, uh, yeah, so mix it up. But at the end of the day, I mean, for, there's, they're not huge shows. And uh, even if we do, like, uh, say, a Brian Adams one, you must have played mm. to about... Over five shows, over 20,000, 25,000 people. And people, they come up, it's not just for the songs, I think it's really flipping good watching, mm. listening, and it's really good for your health. Seriously good concert going is, I've understood from various studies that it adds up to 10 years on your life to a concert goer. I feel like it's got, to, and part of this is it's got to be very good for your mental health as well. Not, you know, like you're just audio, the de- visual, the de-stressing of taking yourself away from the small screen in front of your face, taking yourself away from worrying about things yeah. for, and and putting yourself in a situation where, hopefully, pure joy is radiating. And I've, I mean, I'm a concert goer still, and I'm, one thing I will say, you can forget about. Um, and immodesty here. The fact is that at a luck band show, there is so much singing. There's at least ten numbers, if not more, mm. where if people don't aren't singing choruses, they're singing verses, and I'm going, that's, that is, and singing's super good for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people and don't sing unless they go to a show. And it's got to be one of the ultimate validations for a songwriter too, to have people in your audience knowing every word that you put down however many years ago, right? Very, very rewarding, Simon, it is. Very, very rewarding. From a, a songwriter based in the Antipodes. I like saying it's not, <laughs> I like saying it's not my fault. <laughs> no, that was me just adding, you know, that's just key wording for the, the, Antipodes. For the, for the water well, company. The, there you go, There's, it's the tour of the Antipodes. But the fact that... <laughs> The fact is that if you're an Antipodean band, even if you sold a million records, you're still a cult band. Yeah. Because even Australian bands, they're cult bands. Well, when did you when did you come to fully understand that? When did you make peace with that? Because or have you know? Because you possibly have. when the enemy and Melody Maker were folding, and I was going, gosh, what's happening to rock or music mm. journalism? And the listener doesn't even have a music page, I don't think, anymore. Nah. Anyway, uh, I was going... Du-du-du-du. So this is around maybe 2000. But yeah, there was uh, good avenues for writers in Mojo and Uncut and magazines, complete music magazines, and they were selling well. And I'm going, flipping heck. Now, where's the Australian section or New Zealand section in here? And they're not mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you might get the odd German band... Or a Japanese band. Well, that turned around a bit, though. Like, those names you named before that you've gone and bought the records of, like Tammy and Aldous and Marlon, yes. they're getting coverage. They but that, Nadia but Reed. Nadia, that, that's because they're going there, right? Like, they're actually basing themselves there or going over there, you know? And Lord did no yes. harm at all. Sure. Um, New Zealand's on the map, yeah. again, kind yeah. of thing. And but even you're, like... You're more lo-fi, you know, Delaney Davidson, just hard-working troubadour types, but they go to those places. Do you ever think about what it would have been like for you guys to go to England, not in 1987, but in 1983 or 1985, and 
and and would you have had more impact then? I don't really dwell on it, but the timing of everything is, mm. is a huge factor in in a world or I wouldn't say getting your because you can get your music everywhere now, mm. right from home here and here in uh, Paraparumu, straight. You don't even need to tour, really. Uh, so, um, but yeah, timing could have. It's always a could have. Yes. Yeah. 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 Seems futile to to speculate, particularly to to try and go back in time to to. And foolhardy. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It doesn't really get anything. It's interesting to me, though, as a listener, like, I, you know, Presby Answered has stuff on it that I think stacks up with anything else that was happening anywhere in the world at that time. And I don't, I don't know that I can say that about, you know, many of the other albums that came from New Zealand and Australia at that time. And there were plenty of great albums, but there's just a fullness to the sound and to the, the songs. They just fully stand up, you know, they just, they've, they've stayed written. Thank you. It's pretty hard to go wrong with your first album because you've been writing and writing and writing. <laughs> you've probably got about three albums in you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're able to pick. Uh... Well, that's the curse, they say, isn't it? You've got your whole life to write your first album in 12, mo- <laughs> 12 months to follow it up. If not shorter. Or, or, if not shorter. Yeah. Back in the 60s, it certainly was. Yes, yeah. An album every six months. Yeah. They were shorter, to be fair. Yes, they yeah. were, you know, 30 minutes yeah, average. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, you're right, and they were knocked out in a day or two. And they released uh, 45 every quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which wouldn't go on your album. Yeah, which, which was one of your best songs, hopefully, you know. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, it's a great pleasure, as always, to catch up with you. Is there anything we need to say that we haven't? We'll see each other again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you, listeners, and uh, thank you, audience.